it's an audio based content product was it communications content audio based content development project content development project okay yeah yeah I think you came up with the idea of doing something on audio but the wider sort of context is that we've been talking about creating something that brings together people who are doing interesting things to try and make things happen within their communities and noticing in ourselves and in lots of the people that we know as a kind of lack of energy maybe a slight weariness uh a beaten downness um i love your um your uh mild way of putting that <laughs> everyone's feeling like shit charlie <laughs> well yes yeah, a little bit under the weather what do we need when well what what helps us when we're feeling like that apart from uh you know a darkened room and biscuits is news good news news of things that are happening that make you feel like it's worth carrying on worth um having another go and so that's when your idea of doing these interviews came in right yeah trying to find some um good news stories actually it was inspired by listening to an episode of a podcast called how to save a planet and they were celebrating their 100th episode or something like that and they went to their listeners and just recorded three or four really nice stories um of people just doing some stuff at the end of that listen I felt kind of less shit (laughs) Are we allowed to swear? We can put birdsong on, right? Um, we can tweet. We, we have it. to allow swearing because we've interviewed one where if we took out all oh, the yeah, swear words, there, there wouldn't, wouldn't be any much left. So we have <laughs> to set that as a precedent. Okay, so swearing is allowed. So yeah, so I felt less shit at the end of um, that and thought we know people who are doing cool stuff. So would you like to... Um, just introduce why these two for our first audio-based content development project. The first person that I spoke to was Zakia Bishton and um, the clues in the name, she's my sister. Uh, so full transparency. I wanted to share her story because she did a really cool thing, which was on the first day of the very first lockdown in the UK in the pandemic, she decided I'm going to stop doing everything else that I've been doing in my professional life and go for it with uh, my dream, um, which is to which. Well, she'll tell she'll tell more in the conversation. But yeah, she set up her her project, Mind Walk Yoga, um, and started with a laptop and a room and a zoom connection um and yeah went from there and building an online yoga platform with a social mission 
Um, and then the second person um, is Michael Kennard, who um, spookily also set up his thing, the Compost Club, in uh, the lockdown, in the first lockdown. So interesting that there's a sort of overlap there in that kind of terrible time um, for these two people being um, a rich um, a rich space for them to pursue something different with their lives. Um, and yeah, and Michael's story I only heard told for the first time um, literally three weeks ago um, at a community climate event that helped to organise. Uh, and he came along and talked about the Compost Club and it's really in inspiring as I hope, you know, will we'll come through in the listen of his story. Um, and he's super, he's just so passionate the way he tells the story. It's like, yeah, people need to have some of that energy. As I was, I was saying uh, uh, to you after having that conversation with him, it's like he's human compost. <laughs> like you feel nourished <laughs> at the end of him talking. So, yeah. Well, I like your observation of a human compost because i think that could be quite a good guiding principle for these products is do they feel like they're putting something back in and you know regenerating uh, uh us as the listeners so um yeah i i i liked the pairing of these two they're both lockdown babies which is interesting and you started to sort of wonder how many of these there are out there so you know people who took this moment this pause as an opportunity to flip i think pivots the uh is it pivot is that the expression that's overused when it comes to <laughs> realizing that you've got a rubbish business model and you need to do something different i don't think it's quite that is it it is um taking advantage of a proper breakdown in what's normal yeah i think the thing that i found very interesting about started to think about how many things how many purposeful and overused but things that are really from the heart things that are um, projects that are based in what people really what really fires people up and you hear in both of these conversations that this is something that has been sort of waiting to kind of happen maybe for, for each of them and um and that they've got and a huge amount from actually pursuing it and yeah so I, I think we started to wonder how many of these kind of projects might have had their um birth in this sort of amazing weird awful um period that that was a couple of years ago so that was interesting putting those two things together and then I think the other thing that really struck me from listening to both of them again was the opportunity when you start something from fresh, you start it with that kind of very clear idea of how you want to do things and a sense of injustice of because your experience of how things have been done before is just isn't right, doesn't feel right, is not something you've been able to really engage with because of that the idea of pulling the marginalized into the middle of the proposition and actually making all of those things that um 
the idea of putting the concerns of those who have been ignored or marginalized you know at the very center of the projects in their different ways um that's something that i think was really was really striking how about you what was the what yeah was important for you um yeah i mean i was um i mean there were a few things i, I you know it's um it's quite challenging um for me personally to hear just quite how central um the role of social media was um in the development of mind walk yoga in particular you know that's how um Zakia found all her teachers that are now teaching on the platform um you know she didn't know any of them before um and and so yeah so that was interesting because I, I I you know my mindset is so negative these days around social media so it's like okay um that's something to think about um and um and I love what Michael says about if your business isn't at least sustainable i.e not doing harm not damaging the planet in any way if it's not at least in that place then really should you be running your business at all and you know that's quite a that's quite a radical message to be taking out into the world so yeah some some food for thought on both those fronts I think that the that there was something about the fine well certainly from Zakia's account of finding her sort of finding people that have become really important to her that I wrote down the social media aspect too you know it's not something that's going to make any headlines is it social media responsible for building healthy relationships a bit people who didn't previously connect with one another yeah yeah it's it's so easy to get into this sort of um all good or all bad mindset with with these things and um yeah it's just so much more complicated than that (laughs) again like you say that's not that's hardly headline news is it but it's really helpful to be reminded of it so maybe we've said enough we've said more than enough this will need to be edited down quite substantially yes it will (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to start with michael from the compost club and then you'll hear from zakia and she'll be sharing the story of mindful yoga my mum has always referred to me from as long as i can remember as a little eco warrior Kind of, kind of before that was even really a thing. I think there was a chap, maybe it was Coronation Street or one of the soaps who came in and he was like that. And I remember they, I can't even remember it clearly, but I know they were like, he got his like elderly relative to like camp in a tree to save this tree. And that, that I think popularised the term eco-warrior and that was it. That, that were, my family finally had a, a, something to describe me as because I'm a bit of a, an outlier within my family. Everybody's very kind of mainstream. I'm a little bit, different for whatever reason i kind of set out to create something that would basically facilitate my activism or a form of activism i didn't know what it would be at the time um and uh, a way that i could make that my job and do it all the time and so in in sort of designing it um sort of from nothing i was working in construction up until the first lockdown hit 
Um, so that sort of moment of pause allowed me to to really spend a bit of time sort of figuring out how this thing would work. So we basically, I figured out a way of, we don't have any waste and we're actually using other people's waste or, you know, for me, it's like um, like the natural systems, there is no waste. Everything's, everything's a cycling of nutrients or energy from one thing to another. It's a human idea, the idea of waste. It's a terrible idea. Um, so for me, it's about reframing the way we see it and looking at it as, an, as, a, as a resource. So I guess the first stage was we, we repurpose um, these big 30-litre plastic buckets. So we reclaim the plastic buckets. They're all sealable, really good quality buckets. So um, we use those... Uh, to collect food waste from residents and businesses and obviously again that's another waste resource that, that people have um, we collect that with an electric van so we've got no no emissions from doing that so I can just have a really nice little route where I go around from one place to the other it's all local um, and collect those bring them back to site um, and then we process on site we don't have any fossil fuels on site uh, we just have water um, and we we harvest as much rainwater at the moment. That's really easy. Um, we get an abundance at the moment, um, and and we process it. And we I, I study the soil food web, so I kind of I'm a real soil nerd, and and I specialize in all the kind of microbiology that we kind of don't see unless you've got a microscope. And it, I I did this course, and it just blew my mind about how you know the, these microorganisms cycle nutrients. Uh, and they can basically extract all the nutrients and minerals that plants need from sand, silt and clay. So you never need fertilizers. And then if the plants have everything they need, they're naturally pest and disease resistant. You don't need any biocide, chemicals, herbicides, fungicides, pesticides. Side, that side means kill. And all those things are non-discriminant. It's like taking an antibiotic. It gets rid of the, the bug, but it, it wipes out your, your gut microbiome. And this is the same. It, it takes out those things are all salt-based, even the fertilizers, so they actually kill the biology. And then because they're salt-based, you have rain and then it washes away into our waterways. So it's actually polluting. It's a, it's a mad thing that goes on when you think about the scale of, of intensive agriculture. Um, so it, it's like my, my real focus is on soil, natural soil regeneration. So I produce a compost that is what I call a living compost inoculum. So it's really rich in a very broad diversity of of bacteria fungi protozoa nematodes microarthropods worms it's got all that stuff in it um, like little centipedes is all in there um and what that you don't need very much of it that's why i call it an inoculum it's kind of like a soil cordial so you can use a little bag we sell little two and a half liter bags it's quite a small amount um that will that will treat up to six square meters so you, you can use it agriculturally as um like one ton per acre so you don't need a lot of this stuff and it just gets that supercharged biology in the soil and then they start to build structure so that you can uh, your soil will absorb more water um, and it will retain more water so you're less um susceptible to drought and flood um and then they're cycling on those beautiful nutrients just for you and then um you have living root structures which release exudates um, as energy and carbon into the soil and if you don't plow and you, you you just you know you keep living root systems in there and you do cover crops that's just sequestering carbon all, all the time like this sort of pump like plants are like this pump and they're drawing down carbon and they're putting it in the soil and the more carbon in the soil the more uh, organic matter in the soil the, the more it feeds that biology 
the deeper that beautiful soil structure goes. And we used to have a real depth of topsoil and we're, you know, we're down to like a, a number of inches, a small number of inches now. And, you know, there's forecasts that will run out in 50 years of, of, of topsoil to carry on farming the way we do. So it's all kind of focusing on soil regeneration. And it's almost like the, the food waste, uh, we're saving a lot of emissions from doing that. It's almost like a happy byproduct of the actual focus. So we're so a ton of food waste in landfill will release over 628 kilos of carbon equivalent emissions. And if we aerobically compost it, it releases less than nine. I think it's 8.6. So it's, it almost gets rid of it. Um, and and then it, you know, it can go on to be used regeneratively and then sequester more carbon. So it's we're a completely carbon negative enterprise and we don't use any virgin plastics. Um, when we sell the compost we we just we don't ever have it on a shelf it's all you know it's all very active so it's just in its phase where it sort of cures at the end and then when somebody orders it we literally have to bag it up in a little hessian sack and it, it won't last very long in there because it'll it's compostable right and this stuff's active so it goes straight into a cardboard box uh, taped up with like paper tape um little address label and off it goes for sort of next day delivery uh, it has to all be so it, when people order it, it doesn't necessarily go out that day, but there'll be like there's a certain day a week that I'll do all the orders that have come in. It's just by nature of the thing. It's not like a kind of shelf stable product. But I kind of like that because it lends itself to kind of small scale, human scale. So it, hopefully we're going to be opening up some new sites next year um, and each site will create a job for somebody like a meaningful green job, uh, you know, living wage purpose thing you know it gives somebody some sense of purpose and you know you're doing something really good it's for me like my I say to people my work used to be what drained me and now my work is what fuels me it's where I get my energy although I might get home physically a bit tired I'm so energized by this this work beyond any monetary thing it's like um somebody said to me one time he said like if you can if you can find the term he uses is find what lights you up find your sort of i guess it's a, it feels a bit weird to her, but like your what feels like your purpose rather than kind of scrambling around for existence and you know why am i here he said you'll just go like a bullet from a gun and that's kind of what i feel i wasn't necessarily intentionally trying to do that but that's what it feels like has happened It's been one of those things where I think, you know, this, this gets kind of woo, but like, you know, when you when you feel like you're kind of in flow, it's like the universe just kind of um, opens up the path. So from, from the moment that, that I decided to do this, things have just kind of opened up for me, I guess. So so from the very beginning, I kind of thought, well, what I'll do, I'll, I'll target, target, but I'll, I'll offer the service to a couple of local businesses that might have the right kind of... Um, customer base who would be responsive to what we're doing so um that kind of worked too well in that um with a business they take up quite a lot of the capacity that you've got to process and we were very quickly overwhelmed with people really nice surprisingly so lots of people that wanted us to collect their food waste and become members and there was a limit to what i could do so it's been a constant kind of reinvesting and growing the infrastructure to be able to then onboard new members and we've just a couple of days ago filled up again um and that's kind of the maximum for this site so there, there's there's that it's kind of a 
it's like a frustration, but a good one to, to have. Like there's, there's people that want the service um, and want the compost. And we're just so we, we often run out of compost as well. So it, it, it's all good problems. One of the things that I do is I go on these little deep dives of things and I'll focus on that. So I was learning about uh, brain development and child psychology and all these things. And uh, somebody said to me, he was talking, we were looking at different um, like alternative education and things like that. And he was saying, you can tell children all you like and sort of say this and this and that's that. And you should do this, you should do that. But he said, especially in the first few years, that's when like the, the, the patterns for their, their life are sort of set potentially in those first three years, maybe up to seven, but primarily then. And so they're really learning from observing how what he calls their tribe of influence, which is primarily parents, uh, how you interact with the world and what you do and what you say. That's how they're really learning. They're, 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 it's copying. It's like monkey see, monkey do. And um, so I kind of couldn't get out of my head that that I'm kind of, we've had this little being that we want to be a positive impact person, as we, we were calling it. And so the best way of influencing that for me was like, I really better be somebody who has a positive impact or I'm kind of a bit of a hypocrite. And in speaking to sort of young people now, um, they're kind of, there's this overwhelming sense of there is a problem that, that is just, they're sort of inherited and, and being expected to solve like through some sort of mad technological whatever. Um, and it's kind of, there's this like climate anxiety that, that children are having now. and so. To kind of, I just wanted to ha find a way of having a positive impact and then empowering not just my own children, but, but as many people as possible. It just that it's possible because I didn't think that that was possible. And, you know, for me, the best way of bringing people on board with something is demonstrating it. Um, and so, yeah, that was a real kind of, that's a real motivator. And the more that I've, the further I go along with this, so I was asked to do like a carbon scoping. Um, like scope three as well as one and two for the for the for the enterprise compost club and we're we're almost even just with this one little site we're almost 40 tons carbon negative if you factor in uh, the food waste being diverted from landfill to becoming compost and that doesn't account for that's just all the operations that doesn't account for the potential to sequester carbon with the compost so it's kind of everything just becomes fuel so I've got this desire to just do more and I it, it was really like there were never grand ambitions I just thought oh I'll do a little compost club that will be good so it's got a kind of a new side of the activism is where I can kind of say to businesses I can demonstrate you can have a, a business or an enterprise and demonstrate that it, it works economically it, it's economically viable but not just ecologically sustainable, but regenerative. And so we can actually use business as a, a, a power of good, as well as, you know, providing our, our livelihoods. Um, and then sort of, he wants me to like ruffle a few feathers. So I'm going to be saying to these this room of business people that, you know, if, for me, I'm quite radical. So I'm just basically, my take is if, if your business isn't at least sustainable, which just means it's not destructive, that's the least any business should be. We're running out of time for destructive activities on this planet. Um, and actually, we can be regenerative. So if you're, if you basically need to get whatever you're doing at least sustainable. And if that's not possible, if it's just destructive by its nature, it's just going to have, you're going to have to just stop what you're doing and be a bit more creative and come up with something else or 
you know, come and work for me on one of my new sites or whatever. I don't know, but we just we just don't have time anymore. Um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. I'm Zakia and I run an online yoga studio called Mindwalk Yoga. Um, so Mindwalk Yoga is led by black women. It's a non-for-profit kit, community interest company. Um, and I started Mindwalk Yoga on the first day of the first lockdown back in 2020. Um, feels like so long ago now that we are now we're in 2022 um, so it was just me in the beginning um, it was me in my living room teaching yoga therapy for anxiety because I'm a yoga teacher and I've been a yoga teacher for 12 plus years amongst many other things working in corporate environments charity environments lots of other things but as we went into lockdown, I had this little project that I wanted to do and it was the time and I started it and I focus on anxiety and um, yoga therapy for anxiety because I'm very anxious. And I think I realized that in the years leading up to the pandemic. Um, and that's when I really started to change my style of teaching to really focus on anxiety which turned out to be pretty you know, <laughs> relevant during the pandemic. Um, but to cut a long story short, yoga is a very white, very middle class, very exclusive space. And I was always kind of, you know, not feeling very attached to yoga studios. I'd never taught in a yoga studio, for instance, before. In all my years of teaching, I'd always gone down the community route community kind of local hall route um so for me creating a space um that was buyers um forwards was really important um because black women are underrepresented in yoga and also there isn't so much a mental health focus I think in, in yoga when yoga has lots of benefits for mental health um, so our studio now is open to everyone, um, but we've got a majority of black women um, because seeing someone who looks like you and we're very diverse women, it's really important um, for connection and for healing, especially in a space um, where, where potentially you've been othered. Um, yeah, so that is Mindwalk Yoga in a nutshell. There's been so many challenges um, in starting up Mindwalk Yoga. Um, we're a non-for-profit kick, so I think, and, and I really wanted to make Mindwalk Yoga an accessible, affordable space. We're grant funded. So I would say if I had to pick one of the biggest challenges is definitely money, like, you know, um, sustaining myself, sustaining a social enterprise during a pandemic applying for grants, never done that before, had to do many before I found the formula and was able to do them. Still, I'm a lastminute.com person and it's really painful that I'm still like that. But we've been, um, we've been on a real kind of financial up and down journey and I've had to do loads of other jobs on the side, consulting work um, and loads of other stuff. And that creates exhaustion. And so, so I think that the biggest challenge was like the balancing act of 
trying to sustain it whilst trying to do other things and applying for grants. We've gotten to a point now where we've just been awarded our biggest grant and we're awaiting some news on the next another big grant. But that's been a real process of just learning how to do things as you go working long hours you know kind of like um getting a lot of help from a lot of different people to 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 be able to yeah apply for things um so so yeah that's been a real challenge the best thing for me that has come from mindwalk yoga is the people the people that i have met because of mindwalk yoga um the team that i've built um we're a team of eight women um, and they're amazing. They're like some of the best people that I've ever met. And I I knew one of them before, but, you know, all of the others are new. So it's just like I've got these amazing women in my life that have just taught me so much about yoga, about, you know, um, life, everything. We're a really diverse group of, group of women in every way, age, where we live, our experiences. We do have this kind of unifying thing that we've all had. We've all kind of like had our bad times with yoga. So we kind of like connect in some way in that aspect. And then there's the, the people that have come to Mindwalk Yoga as members and we've become friends. I've never met most of them. You know, I know them through Zoom, but we've got these relationships and we talk offline sometimes. And 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 also because I've run longer courses in anxiety management, I've connected with a whole bunch of people that have gone on an eight-week journey with me to understand their anxiety and manage their anxiety. And that has been just one of the most amazing things because it's so healing and nourishing to to be in community with people that that are experiencing that and you know what that feels like and you're kind of holding space for them but you're also learning so much about your own use yourself and your own mental health at the same time so it's um so yeah the people have been amazing so I found the mindwalk yoga team um do you know most of the team was found via social media Instagram um because when I started mindful yoga I started an Instagram account I hadn't really engaged in Instagram as a yogi prior to that primarily because of the Instagram images that you've probably all seen of people like doing crazy gymnastics and I realized there was this whole subculture of black women people of color doing yoga and connected with them on Instagram and just kind of, yeah, joined a WhatsApp group, a Yogi's of Colour WhatsApp group, and literally just started to build connections with people. We did so many Zoom teas and things like that that just became the norm in the pandemic, that you'd just be like, hey, you're doing this, do you want to have a Zoom tea? And then we'd just have a Zoom tea and then, and then it just kind of evolved. And then we kind of, the team grew quite organically from me and Karen to then a couple of other teachers and then brought on support staff as we got more grant money. We meet up like quarterly and have these kind of like day sessions where we just hang out together and do lunches and stuff. So yeah, it's been it's been primarily, I think that the thing that brought us together initially was actually social media. When I think about, when I think about, you know, kind of like think global, act local or the other way around, I feel like what's missing is 
um, is the idea about collective action. Because the two are kind of intrinsically entwined, but but what's missing, it feels like, is about kind of like, how do we, to make real change, how can we start thinking about things from the most marginalised, like starting from the most marginalised people, identities, spaces, and then actually working out from there, like consciously, deliberately centering that um in in kind of um practices and and the impact that would have um and actually thinking about that in terms of like inclusion and not just thinking about inclusion as like you know a buzzword because obviously like inclusive you know inclusive but actually really thinking about how do we center the most marginalized um because I think I think that has the potential to have real kind of yeah impact and legacy um and 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 that for me feels like um you know if if we all did that in 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 the kind of the impact work that we're doing then then that feels like um yeah it just feels like it's a collective action I suppose the, the truth is I suppose I get a bit of energy from so many different things, like, you know, just kind of getting energy to kind of sustain myself. But I was thinking about balance because I feel like I'm a very energetic person. Like I'm a very um, enthusiastic person, determined person. I think I'm quite an optimistic person. And I think it comes from me consciously, deliberately trying to prioritize balance um in my life um through lots of different things um through lots of kind of conscious things like I you know consciously like doing practices that I know ground me give me balance um I do a lot of journaling a lot of journaling which I started in the pandemic like books and books of just me talking <laughs> probably a load of crap but actually that gives me a lot of balance because I feel like I get rid of a lot of the crap out of my head which means I can move from a more rational place and move from a more energetic place and I feel like when I have balance it's me really sitting with uncertainty because I feel like to have energy you have to be able to be flexible you know you have to be able to know that you, you don't know what you're entering into like you know when you're doing projects when you're doing something we never really know but you enter into a real area of uncertainty when you're doing startups and you're doing kind of social impact work so so um so yeah it comes back to that feeling of I need to be balanced in order to be energized to do this um so I constantly have to, to kind of do that yeah that sense of balance I'd like to leave you with a moment, um, an invitation, I should say, to take a slow, deep breath. And this is an invitation if it doesn't feel right and you don't have to do it. Um, so maybe just kind of taking a moment to just kind of ease yourself into whatever you're sitting on in, or maybe you're standing. You just wanna notice the ground beneath you. 
And maybe just taking a moment to notice the breath coming in. Maybe just noticing the breath coming out. And if that felt okay, maybe just doing a sigh as you exhale. So I'd like to leave you with that. And if it felt good, do more. Um, but thank you. We're having these conversations as a way of warming up to doing something big next year. And we want to create an event that is for the kinds of people that we're speaking to um, on these not podcasts and also to lots of other people who maybe we haven't met yet um, who could do with an experience that helps them recharge the batteries, reconnect, connect with new people and enjoy themselves. And that's what we've got in mind for next autumn with an event in Sussex called Field Studies. Because once you've said what it's called, it has to be called that, right? Yeah. Working title, field Working title, lowercase, field studies. And if you are interested in field studies or this project, then you can get in touch with us at charlie at wilson.co.uk or if you prefer, tamsin at wilson, W-I-L-S-O-M-E dot co.uk. Because we're looking for partners to make this thing happen. And it could be you. Do we want to say that we're only interested in people with money getting in touch? Is that <laughs> well, we're definitely keen to hear from people with money, but we're also keen to hear from people who would like to be involved, who'd like to roll their sleeves up, who'd like to do something at the event, who has thoughts about what might be useful, what might be nourishing, um, or if you're just like, what are you on about? We'd like to hear from you as well. We could get Ted to do the sign off if you like. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> what would Ted sign off me? Oh, goodbye. <laughs> That's two Adam Buxton. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I just want, we were doing Labrador voices like that a long time before Adam Buxton. I think probably even before the Adam and Joe show. Okay. I think in the mid 90s. Okay. All right. Obviously, it doesn't make any difference, but I just wanted you to know that. Okay. All right. 